are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Cindy Johnson, Chapter Leadership Committee member of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Jeremy. This is episode 97 of Lighthearted, posted on January 6th, 2020. 57 years ago on this date, January 6th, 1963, the TV show Wild Kingdom with Marlon Perkins debuted. A year later, on January 6, 1964, the Rolling Stones started their first tour as a headline act. The opening act was the Ronettes. And on this date in 1975, the TV game show Wheel of Fortune made its debut. In this episode of Lighthearted, we're going to listen to the second part of a two-part interview with Australian children's book author Diane Wolfer. We're going to continue the discussion of her award-winning book, Lighthouse Girl. For anyone who missed part one of the interview, Lighthouse Girl tells the story of Faye Howe, the daughter of a lighthouse keeper at Break Sea Island in Western Australia. As ships carrying Australian soldiers left the harbor at Albany, she communicated with many of them using semaphore. She relayed their messages to the men's families. For many of the soldiers headed to Egypt and Gallipoli, the sight of Faye Howe waving to them from the island became a symbol of hope. After we hear the rest of the interview with Diane Wolfer, we're going to listen to an interview with Don Watson, the son of Faye Howe, the Lighthouse Girl. Don's wife and their daughter also took part in the conversation. Lighthouse Girl, which was originally published in 2009, won the West Australia Young Readers Book Award for picture books. Diane Wolfer's books have won many other awards. She also writes novels for children and young adults that focus on life in modern Australia and Pacific countries. Let's listen to the second half of my conversation with Diane Wolfer now. I was reading a couple of articles or websites uh, about this very interesting thing. In 2014, a 20-foot-tall puppet based on <laughs> Fei Howe was created for an event called the Giants at Perth International Arts Festival. Yeah. What was, what was that all about? Well, it was huge, pardon the pun, but it was just, it's funny, you know, as an author, you send your book out into the world and you don't even know if anyone's going to like it or read it. And then when it takes off, it gets legs, you might get some some passionate readers and you just hope that it will stay in print and that people will be able to access your story that that you love like like a child, I suppose. Anyway, out of the blue, I got this email saying, oh, there's this French company, Royal Deluxe, and they're thinking of bringing giant puppets to the Perth International Arts Festival. I'm like, okay, (laughs) okay. Um, And that they'll be in Albany and they're looking for story. Do you want to meet them? So it's like, okay, sure. So I went and had coffee with um, Jean-Luc and his team and uh, such an interesting fellow, very big personality and there's some some great stories from that meeting but we met in a cafe with his team and they were there to look basically they had these massive puppets they've got a diver giant they've got a little girl there's a granny a dog I think there's an elephant and they were bringing the the big giant the diver giant and the girl to Perth and so what they were looking for were were stories local stories that they could link to the journey of these giants. They were going to bring the giants. They wanted to link it to local story. So I gave uh, Jean-Luc a copy of Lighthouse Girl and he he loved it. 
and I explained it. I don't speak French, so through the translator we're, we're explaining it. And he loved the idea and actually wanted to start the event here in Albany with this massive light coming from Breaksea Island onto the mainland and then this big wall of lights starting up in Perth, so sort of light thing. But that I think the costing's got a bit much on that. So he still used the story um, and a, a different interpretation of it. So basically... When I read the interpretation, I thought, okay, that's unusual. It's it's a bit of a leap. But in essence, there's a little girl giant falls from the sky and she's out in the outback and meets with people and they, they're sitting around talking about this old story from 1915, 14, 15, when uh, the soldiers left. And then meanwhile, the diver, I think, is comes up from the ocean in Gallipoli where, where so many men died. And then they meet in Perth. So um, it's on the, there's a website you can look up, but in essence, so it's a real distillation of the story, but um, she finds this really old book, old red covered book from the past and wants to find out more. What it meant for me was that I got a VIP pass to follow um, myself and a few of my family to follow this incredible arts experience through the streets of Perth for three days. They walked these massive uh, three-storey, six-storey marionettes, they like to call them, through the streets doing street art performances. They met, they danced, they flew through the sky. It was incredible. And I was able to be right up there close as part of it because the story sparked the little girl giant's journey. So it was it was amazing. It's It's a real honour when somebody takes your story and then adapts it differently. Helly Turner has a playwright has made Lighthouse Girl and Lighthouse Boy into um, a stage play, which was incredibly moving. That that stuck more totally to the story, and that opened here in Albany and then went to Perth, uh, the capital city, and then it's toured Western Australia. Maybe one day it'll go to the east, and that was really beautifully done. A very small cast, and a very beautifully designed set that was very simple, but. And the girl, all of the characters were amazing. The young woman who played Faye managed to capture her youthfulness and um, it was it was a beautiful production. I'm really, I was really honoured to see it. And they also, during 2014, November was a big deal in Albany. There were all these commemorative events for where this huge convoy leaving Albany 100 years ago had there been helicopters or video or, or media in the day, it would have been a massive event. But, of course, back then there wasn't. So we now have a, a National Anzac Centre here. And the four years it took me to research the book, I could probably do in two days now at the, at the National <laughs> Anzac Centre. From home or at the centre, yeah. Up at the centre. Um, probably a lot of the stuff might be online. Um, but there's a beautiful building overlooking King George Sound where the soldiers, where the troop ships were all at anchor. And you can also see Breaksea Island and the lighthouse. And there's a walkway where you can go and see where the town folk of Albany waved to. And there's information about every ship. And there's a great big um, interactive display where the ships go. Uh, There's the old cinematography film. But you can see each ship leaving. You press a button and you can see the size of the ship, the dimensions, who was on board, links to everything. It's it's really well done with incredible photos. But 
back when I was researching, it was the old microfish. I don't know if you've ever, uh, it yes. just does your eyesight in. You've got, you know, you've got to put each page and then wind it and then like oh, yeah. try and read this really old newspaper writing. And and then there were discrepancies. How many ships were actually, were there 38, were there 36? And, and to work through that piece by piece. Luckily, Albany is the oldest settlement, European settlement in Western Australia. And so we've got an historical collection at the library. And so there were people who really were helpful. Um, there's a military historian, Adam Wolfe and Lawrence Cuthbert, Sue Lafroy. There were people who were really helpful, like sort of saying, well, look, although the newspaper article said she was um, communicating via Morse, it was probably semaphore. Mm -hmm. And at some point we're just having to make a little bit of a guess. But, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You got to fill in the the holes. It's That's right. As long as at the back, uh, I'm not a military historian, and I'll read it once, and then it's like my imagination takes off, and I have to keep going back to check my facts that because I'm my brain's gone off somewhere else <laughs> with a character, and it's like, hang on, which of that is real? So, at the back of historical fiction for children, particularly, there's always well this is what's true and this is what I've used creative licence. I've imagined this part. Mm -hmm. having, having read a lot of soldiers' diaries and letters um, to, try and, to try and capture some of that old-fashioned language, and that was a funny thing too, that when I, when I tried to use some of the actual language of the soldiers of the time, a bit jolly, good show kind of, it sounds too silly now. So it, it, there's, it's ironic that the reality is not believable. So for young readers, some of those old-fashioned words, I had to tone it down a little bit because it doesn't, it seems too like I'm making it up. It doesn't seem mm -hmm. real, which was funny, you know. Yeah, it's like a balance you had to strike and it seems to me yeah. a great job with that. Yeah. Thank you. When I gave the book to my wife to read, I said to her, this would make a great movie. <laughs> and I don't think you told me earlier until uh, we've been talking uh, just now that a movie is in the works. Can you say a little bit more of that, about that? Well, I, I can say a little bit more, but what what happens is when you've written a book, if, if you're lucky, then someone might buy the film rights. And depending on who you are, um, you have the, that's a lot or it's, just a small amount. Uh, I'm more at the small amount end. But uh, people pay for an option, which each year they need to renew if they want to keep that option. So they have the option to do the film. So the book is optioned. It has the all, all three now are optioned. It, originally it was the first one, Lighthouse Girl, and then Lighthouse Boy got added and now in the lamplight as well. Yes, there's an Australian man. I probably better not say his name, but um, he's living in California and... He was back in Australia and went to the National Anzac Centre where the books are on sale and saw them there and just loved them. He saw he, just the first two. He just loved them and he's worked in different parts of the film industry but hasn't made his own film completely. And he really wanted to make that his um, passion for the next I don't know, eight years, whatever, to bring those books to film. So when he and his um, lovely wife came over here to Albany, yeah, we, we met and then we all got on really well. So we ended up catching, um, got another helicopter to go back across. 
he did a lot of research. He went into particular detail with um, a few aspects of Faye's life that are beyond the departure, which I hadn't. History, history shifts things. Like what you can find out at some stage may not have been on the record or the family didn't want a lot, all of the details to be out there and, and things shift. So if people are interested in, in Faye's life beyond the story, on my website, which is just www.dianewolfer.com, there's a link to books and then there's a drop down to Lighthouse Girl and then if you go across, it's the real Faye. And so since publication, you know, there are some other aspects of her life which um, I guess I know more about now and the family have a one-page there's a bit more information about her if people want to read that. So I guess getting back to this director, producer guy, he, he's he got he's now written a script which he sent to me, which I liked many aspects of it, but to me it was veering away from the heart of the story, which is Faye and Charlie. And so I think he's reworking it. And since then, of course, the world's gone a bit crazy. So I'm not sure what's happening. It's Everything's probably on ice for a while. It's incredibly expensive to make a film. So the first part is to get a film script and then to try and get some funding to go to the next production level, is my understanding. So I really hope it'd be so exciting if it turned into a movie. That would be incredible. And it has very filmic qualities, I think. Yes. Oh, that's exactly how it how it hit me for sure. <laughs> I definitely, you know, recognize the cinematic quality of it very, very much. Oh, good. And we've had a bit of a a blossoming in Albany in the southwest here. Suddenly, we're having all these films made. People are using it as a location, which means that the local people in the in the area are, are developing skills in the movie world. With Tim Winton's Breath was filmed in Denmark, a little town half an hour away. Um, and an adaptation of the movie Rams, which was set, I think, the first time in Iceland or Greenland, one or the other, very much an art house, fantastic film, has just that's just filmed locally as well. So, so that, yeah, it can be, it can happen. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to it. Why do you think it's important that we remember Faye Howe? Ah, okay. She was a young woman at a place in a really important historic moment in time. I think for all the reasons in the book that I read, Shona's book, that each of those women have incredible stories and Faye is just another one of those women who who have an incredible story. And then I'm sure there's a lot of men who have incredible stories as well. Something about lighthouses, uh, just the very fact of lighthouses and where they are and what the, what the nature of the keepers, what they do is heroic and special. So I think Faye adds to that long list of incredible women who've been involved in in lighthouse keeping. And as her mother wasn't there, she would have been really instrumental in helping her father and the other keeper, and not just with the domestic duties, which of course she did, but also with signalling to ships as they came in. Albany was the first point of Australia for shipping. So if you've come from you know, India or Europe, Albany's the first place you get to. And so there was a lot of interest in which ships were coming in, which was then relayed across Australia. So I think it's just that she was an ordinary woman. I think that's what's so special. She was just an ordinary girl who was there at an extraordinary moment in time and witnessed that, but also witnessed it with such youthful, joyous exuberance. She was on the cusp of womanhood herself. So she, you, you've got all of the exuberance of a, a younger 
child, but the maturity of a woman um, to understand the significance of it. So it was a real crossroad in her life. It was a crossroad in Australian history. Yeah, I think for those reasons, it's special. And for me, if I can, if I can spark interest in history, particularly in our youth, uh, I write mostly for children, although my books are largely read by adults as well. I think if I, I'm really passionate about bringing history alive for young readers in a way that's not didactic, that's actually just fun, that it's a good story first and that they they just want to read the story and then they find out some other interesting things along the way that they might not have known uh, that may spark their curiosity to find out more. Then if, if that happens, then I'm happy. <laughs> there are some sad aspects to the story of Lighthouse Girl, but would you say the overall message of the book is uplifting? Yes, definitely. I Life is sad. Hard things happen, and these men were going off to war, and many didn't come home. I think the book had to have sadness, anything to do with with war. Oh, I think the balance of light and shade is important. You know this, but I do think it's it's a hopeful, it's a hopeful book as well. Even though there is sadness, I think even in in dark times, there's always hope. There's always hope, and and that's what a lighthouse represents. Faye represented that. And uh, and so I think, yes, it is a hopeful book. It's uplifting. I think accepting that, accepting the shadows is part of being alive. Without the light, and it's a very lighthouse kind of <laughs> analogy, I suppose. Absolutely. That, you know, if you don't, if you don't have the shadows and the, you know, you need the light and the shadows, it's a balance. If, if you yes. don't have the shadows, you don't have the light or vice versa. I think um, I'm not a scientist, but there we go. <laughs> philosopher perhaps absolutely yeah definitely a a philosopher and poet uh (laughs) uh, that's that's really beautifully said i got one more question for you for bonus points okay what was your favorite part of researching and writing lighthouse girl Uh, well going out to the island was very special but i think the most special thing was meeting the descendants of faye meeting don watson and his wife peg and their children and that ongoing friendship that that's something that has continued and it's almost like Faye's become a real person to me and I I walk on the beach or I might hear something and it's like she's come to life in a way for me if when I see photos of her as an old woman it's like I know she had a long life and quite a hard life but it's like I can't accept that it's like okay my Faye (laughs) my Faye is this age and I think yeah, going out to the island, physically exploring where she lived, meeting the Watson family, and I guess all of the all of the experiences that have led from that, you know, the play, but but going out to schools, I go to schools a lot and talk to, to young readers. And I, I hear that uh, people come from Perth down to see Albany to look across at Breaksea Island. And I just think, wow, how special. They have accepted this story with such a passion that is humbling and wonderful. So I guess that's probably those things. I probably said three. I was only allowed one. I think, wasn't it? <laughs> that's okay. Sorry. There was no limit to the number of things, the number of reasons. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a fabulous journey for me. And I probably look, I have other books as well, but this probably Lighthouse Girl will be the book that people associate with me and may remember me. I was thinking when you're talking about her descendants, her uh, son and his family, 
they must be so happy. They must feel like you've uh, given voice to Faye and uh, the world today. And that must be very special for them. Well, I think so, but it's almost like it's a different Faye as well because by necessity, when I began the project, nothing was known about her. Even Don really knew nothing about his mother's younger life, which was good because it gave me the freedom to imagine her. If I'd known too much, it, it would have been harder, whereas not knowing, I could really imagine, and I sometimes joke, you know, maybe she hated donkeys, I don't know, so she probably, you know, she's really loves her donkey, but it, it's been a special journey, and I know for Don, particularly when the Giants, because he had a VIP pass as well, so when the Giants came and he went up and the Premier was there and they laid a wreath and they, they had some special moments, he would just keep saying, looking a bit bewildered, and saying, my mum's a giant, my mum's a giant. <laughs> and he was just like, there's this six foot, the three foot stories, like building stories high, girl marching around. And he'd just say, wow, you know, my mum's a giant. And <laughs> we've had a good journey together through this in that uh, when there have been these special commemorative events. And she's just one of so many women, families, children, parents who who farewelled their loved ones. And they each have a story. I have some old postcards from World War One, beautifully embroidered, embroidered ones. Some of them, on the back of a postcard, there's a story that you could write a novel about. And each each person has a story. And I guess this is Faye's. But so many of those, every person on those ships that sailed away, had a story. It just takes a long time. I've just written one. <laughs> There's more to be told. Uh -huh. <laughs> Hopefully some of these young readers who read the book will be inspired. And, and they have. What a lovely outcome as well is that, um, particularly with Lighthouse Boy, that people have gone back to, it sparks a passion for people to find out about their own, the veterans in their family. And people will always say after a talk that, oh, my great-grandfather, and they'll all say they were here or there or we've got their medals. And so I said, do you know their stories? And they don't always. I said, well, find out. You can research. There's there's lots of websites or, or family history before it's too late. Find out those stories. And their stories are just as incredible, I'm sure. They, they just need to be recorded. Absolutely. Diane, I feel like we could we could talk for hours more and maybe <laughs> I can talk with you again sometime. I'd love uh, that. Yeah, me too. But it's it's a real, real pleasure. I found your book because of Guiding Lights, Shona Riddell's book. Yeah. Uh, but I was a little bit aware of Faye's story before that, kind of peripherally. But uh, oh, Shona, Shona really, you know, made me uh, think more about it. And then I, I think I was searching uh, Amazon and found found your book. So I'm, I'm very glad I found it. I'm glad uh, we got in touch and uh, it's been great spending time with you. I want to mention, you mentioned your website. I'll just mention it again, www.dianewolfer.com. And Diane has two ends, www.dianewolfer.com. So people probably want to check that out. And the book Lighthouse Girl is available uh, from Amazon and other online booksellers. It is still in print and I recommend it very highly. So again, uh, Diane, thank you. And let's do it again sometime. Thank you. That's absolutely wonderful. I'm, I'm so grateful. It's just lovely. It's been really nice to, uh, to make this contact um, through the book. And um, yeah, I'm going to be listening to more of those podcasts and I might have to uh, 
pop another lighthouse into another story so we can talk again. <laughs> oh, wow. I sure hope so. Whatever I can do to encourage that, I will. But take care, Diane. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Next, we're going to hear a conversation with Fay Howe's son, Don Watson. Don worked on a merchant Navy ship as an engineer, and after retirement, he volunteered at the Fremantle Maritime Museum. In 2014, he was named Western Australia Senior Volunteer of the Year for all the volunteering he's done for many years. In this chat I had with Don Watson via Zoom, his wife Peg and their daughter Denise Rafferty also joined in. Let's listen to the conversation now. I am speaking with Don Watson at his home in Bibra Lake, which is a suburb of Perth in Western Australia. And along with Don uh, are his wife, Peg, and their daughter, Denise. Hi, everybody. So nice Hi. to have you with me today. Thank you so much. Hi, Jeremy. Of course, uh, we're speaking with you, Don. Uh, we want to speak about your, your mother, uh, Faye Howe. And uh, I have to have the book right next to me here, Lighthouse Girl by Diane Wolfer. And I've already interviewed Diane about uh, the story of your mother, which is a, a great story. It's something I've heard about before. Uh, you know, I'd come across the story before and thought, wow, that's really interesting. And then uh, there's a new book uh, called Guiding Lights by Shona Riddell, who I interviewed recently for the podcast. And she wrote about your mother in that book. And so I was starting to look for more information, and that's how I found Lighthouse Girl, a wonderful children's book by Diane Wolfer, and she pointed me to you, and I'm very happy she did that. So, Don, first of all, I understand that you remember being quite young and actually reading the cards and letters that were written to your mother from the soldiers overseas during World War One. Well, the cards were kept in a drawer. Uh, well, she, she looked after those cards like the back of her hand. She really enjoyed them. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, somehow or other, those cards disappeared. Yeah, well, that's a and, shame. Uh, of course, they never shown up. Do you remember anything of, that the soldiers said in those cards? No, really. They were, they were pre-printed postcards and uh, beautifully decorated. And, of course, she treasured them very much. Maybe it'll turn up, I hope. Yeah, it'd be nice that they were in a box hidden away somewhere yeah. and we, we just happened to find a box one day. Over, yeah. over 30 years. There were, what, a few dozen of those, something like that? Oh, must have been easy. Yeah, tied up with a piece of ribbon. Oh, were they? The, they were the like the bunch of cards were tied together with, with ribbon? Very much, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Uh, if we could talk a little bit about Diane Wolfer's book, Lighthouse Girl. I'm wondering, Don, uh, how did you feel about that book? I know you've met Diane, and, but I'm wondering uh, about your, your feelings about her book, uh, Lighthouse Girl. Well, I thought it was a very good book, but not having a knowledge of the background, it's nothing to compare with, but I enjoyed the book. It, it gave me a sort of bit of insight into what my mother had to put up with on the island. There was no connection after time. So they relied on, on a, a boat coming out to the island with supplies and so forth. And, of course, if there was a bit of rough weather, because the boat couldn't berth, the difficulty of, of getting across that stretch of water was uh, 
quite treacherous because Braxley Island was out really open to the uh, open to the ocean, the Southern Ocean. So you only had to get a bad weather, a bit of bad weather coming in from uh, from the south, mm-hmm. and that cut off communication virtually. Yeah. And they had to make do with what we had, or yeah. what they had. I, I wasn't there. Yeah, you were. You were born later. I was born much later. Did your mother talk about her lighthouse days much? I don't remember Mum talking too much about the lighthouse, other than different things that they used to do of uh, actual fishing or shooting, because they used to at times they used to get out and shoot uh, animals for. Mm-hmm. For their food. I wonder if they shot ducks in the ocean for food. Well, there weren't very many ducks around. Yeah, the um, but, Diane refers to uh, mutton birds. Mutton I don't know. Bird. We don't have mutton birds here. I'm not sure what mutton birds are. Are those something, uh, kind of bird you can eat? They're a black and grey bird. Yeah, they live in burrows. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they're a very greasy animal when, or bird when you cook them. Doesn't sound like great so, eating. Yeah, it, it was a supplement to what they, if, if they didn't have food, it would have been just a supplement. They would have made a stew or um, something like that. So people know this is uh, Denise, uh, Don's daughter speaking. Don, I was wondering if, did you get to see the, the stage play uh, of Lighthouse Girl that was based on the book? I did, yes. I was very impressed. Mm-hmm. Very, very impressed with the way it was all put together. So they must have uh, been really happy when the p- people uh, putting on the play that you you went to see it. That was one of my, one of the things I I look forward to. We saw it twice. I think people over here in the United States would be interested in that. I'd love to see somebody uh, put that on over here too. Sounds just like a really good play. There's a guy called Peter Hoff mm-hmm. who I think is in California, and okay. he was going. He was writing up a. A play. Uh, a I'm film. sorry, a, a film. He was doing. He was going to make a film of the Lighthouse Girl, right. and he came out here and visited Mum and Dad with Diane one year. So that would have been two or three years ago now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said it would take about five years to actually get the um, script written up. But he was quite interested in doing a film on the life of Faye. Yeah, Diane told me about that, and you know, yeah. she told me she had sold the the rights to the book for a movie. And uh, that she met with a man who's the same one you're talking about. And I'm, yeah. I'm a big movie uh, nut. So I, I really, I can't wait to see the, the movie of Lighthouse Girl. Yeah. It's a great, I said yeah, to my wife when I read the, the book, I said, this would make a great movie. So I'm glad other people feel the same yes. way. Yeah. Especially that um, Diane wrote three books in the, like, the trilogy. Yeah, especially the, I'm really interested in uh, Light Horse Boy, the story of uh, yeah. Charlie from uh, Lighthouse Girl. Yeah, yeah. Definitely want to read his story. Don, I don't know if you have any thoughts about why. Why do you think the story of your mother and what she did during World War One? Why do you think that's so interesting to people? What What is it about that? Do you think? The story shows that through adversity and caring, one person can mean a lot to others, and that may be in similar situation. My mother was receiving messages via Morse code and signal flags from the soldiers passing onto the mainland where they would have been sent to other states. It was very thoughtful of the soldiers to remember my mother as a girl on the lighthouse in Albany. Oh, I think what she did meant so much to those, those men. 
it's not just the messages that she relayed, but I just imagine these men leaving home to go so far away. And of course, a lot of them never returned. And for a lot of them, the last sight of Australia was your mother waving from Breaksea Island from the lighthouse. That's right. Denise, I don't know if, if you would like to, to say anything more about kind of the family legacy. How do you, how do you feel about being the, the granddaughter of the famous lighthouse girl? I feel very honoured being one of Faye's granddaughters. Faye actually ended up having three living children. Unfortunately, two boys died in very young age. So Nana had nine grandchildren, so I'm one of those. And just from remembering her from um, times that, you know, we used to go and visit, she's always cooking, making cakes and something like that. So we always you know, loved having um, sponge cakes that she used to make. We also know that she she did work for a while at the uh, Fremantle Prison uh, looking after the, the women prisoners. That was after her husband died. He died when Dad was 14 because mm. of the 19-year the difference. You can understand that he, was, he would have been quite old you know, when Dad was a young boy. And then we moved over to the eastern states. We were living in Canberra for a while and she came over to visit with one of her sisters um, and we took them around. And uh, I can always remember just seeing Nana. She was always there. Nana used to live in a a little two-bedroom house with a sleep out, but it used to have a huge kitchen, kitchen dining room um, and a tiny little lounge. I, I can remember those sort of things. And she lived in a suburb called Fremantle, or East Fremantle. And at that stage, the blocks in East Fremantle were quite large. The block that she had had a bit of a sloping backyard. And if you could imagine, you know, people didn't terrace their backyards at that stage. They just sort of went with the the flow of the land. Mm-hmm. And I can remember um, my brothers and my sister and I, we used to roll down um, the grassy slope when we used to visit her. Down the very back, she used to have chooks, veggie gardens, the outdoor toilet and the um, outdoor laundry. Now, that's what I can remember. It's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have some nice um, memories. That, yeah, that's, so, that's really nice. Yeah, they were. And and, and as Mum said, when I was born, I was born in ni- September 1957. My dad was away overseas because he used to be in the Merchant Navy. I was three months old before he actually met me. And as mum was saying, she she was staying with Nana when I was born because we they hadn't built their house at that stage. It was I think mum appreciated having her mother-in-law there to help out with a newborn baby. I can't remember big conversations with her, you know, because I was only about 10 at the time. So um, I, I don't think, and I think in those times, children were seen and not heard. So, you know, you, mm-hmm. you didn't come up to Nana and say, oh, what did you do when you were a young girl? Because <laughs> this was one of those things that you didn't really ask. Mum just wanted to oh, say sure, something. Oh, sure, absolutely. Peg? Uh, Don's mother was, was very caring. I, I knew no, when Denise was a baby, she'd be crying like mad, but Don's mother could pick her up and stop her from crying. <laughs> Another thing I want you to know is that Don and I went to Breaksea Island by helicopter a few years ago. Oh. And Don was so thrilled. I'll let him tell you about it. I didn't realize that you did that. That's great. Yeah, what was that like, Don? To be able to walk on the ground that my mother had walked on 
100 years previous. I was only there for a short period of time because we only had an hour to be there and off again because the chopper was paid for by the group. No, we paid for it. Oh, we did? Yes. Helicopters are expensive, I know that. They are, yeah. No, no I've, I've hired helicopters. It's not cheap at all. But that what a great experience. That's so I'm so happy you got to do that. The island is surrounded by water. There are no beaches at all. It is very, very steep. I don't know how they fished. On the island, there was a crevice in the in the in the uh, rock, and there was a an orchid that was down in the bottom in the in the, in the uh, Somehow or other, that orchid had, had grown and they lowered mum down on a rope to go and pick the, the orchid and bring it back up to the surface again. She was quite young at that stage, quite an experience because just being lowered down on a rope was yeah. enough to put anyone off. <laughs> Sounds pretty scary. I wonder if it was like a rare orchid or something and somebody felt they needed to, to get it. No idea. No idea. That's a great story. That's all I ever heard. That's a great story. So, Denise, have you ever been on the island? No, I have seen it many times. Um, I lived in Albany from 1983 to the end of 1985. Um, My oldest son was actually born down there. I actually kick myself now because I didn't do any research while I was there Mm -hmm. to find out more about Nana and her family. I've picked up things along the way. I'm on Ancestry.com, so um, I I do a little bit of research every now and again. But every time I hear something about the island or, you know, just, you know, find something, I I keep it in a book. I've got a big folder on it so far. But uh, we we actually found um, some photocopies of some photos that were taken at Breaksea Island. So there is a person in the photos, but I'm not sure whether it was Nana because the, the person looks a bit older than a, a young mm-hmm. teenager. But right. it just goes to show just how rough the the area is around the rock. And sometimes you think, well, you know, they had to keep chickens and ducks and their donkey. And right. there's no there was really only low shrubs, not much dirt to for them to grow on. So mm-hmm. uh it would have been just just hard hard work all round. The island the island is really a stony rock. Well, life at those places was something most of us you know can't can't imagine these days. No conveniences whatsoever right. back then. And we also know that she was born over in Cape Lewin, south of Perth. So she was the first child born at Cape Lewin, and that was back in eighteen ninety nine. Mm. And then. She moved with her father, her mother, and her brother and sisters to Albany and Breaksea Island when she was six. She stayed with her father on Breaksea Island for 11 years. Yeah, I wasn't exactly sure how long she was on the island, yeah. so that's good uh, to know, 11 years. Yeah. So because she was the youngest and her brother and sisters were at school, they stayed with relatives in Albany. As far as we know, they never really came out to the island. So Faye was on the island with her mother and father. So she must probably felt like she was an only child because, you know, she didn't have contact with her, her brother and sisters. But from what we understand, 
she made the best of it because she learnt to sew. She let she was a good sewer. She learnt to cook. She was a good cook. She became um, a good mother um, at a very young age. Mm-hmm. She had a first child just after she was married. Imagine not having your mother because her mother had died a couple of years before she met James because people got infections and they didn't um, have the uh, the antibiotics to fight those infections. Right. So, her sister uh, died also close close to the same yeah, time. Yeah, that's right. Her, yes, her sister Ada had had a baby who they called Stanley and soon after that she uh, she got sick and died and her husband died as well. Mm-hmm. And then they, they took the baby out to Braxy Island to um, be looked after by Hannah, Faye's mother, and then Hannah got sick. And so that ended up with Faye, I think she was about 15, looking after a, a young baby. Um, so wow. she sort of became a mother at 15 with not really, not for her child though. Yeah. And then huh. it was uh, when, then after you know, she got she married James up in Perth, the child then went and um, lived with the, the Watson family and Faye was the proxy mother. I didn't know that. That's something that's not touched on at all in Lighthouse Girl, of course. Of course, she can only, you know, cover so much in a book like that. You can't always put everything in a book. Yeah. Well, maybe the movie will include. You've got to stick to a story. One of the things I read about on Diane Wolfer's website was the, uh, I forget the exact title of the event, but the the Giants event where they had the, the puppets representing actual people, giant puppets. Yeah. And your mother, yes. Dawn, was one of those puppets, one of those giant puppets. And she told me about it. She said uh, that you you said, I can't believe it. My my mom's a giant or something like that. But that must have been an interesting experience to see that. That was, that was a parade through Perth. Yeah. Many people can say yeah. their mother was a giant. Um, no, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, they did it through our Perth International Arts Festival. They had her going through the, uh, well, the, the giant girl was on a boat which moved through the streets of Perth. And they had a story behind it. And each day it was a different part of the story. Yeah, and then eventually she ended up down at um, Langley Park, which is one of our big parks by the river, and met up with the the deep sea diver. And then eventually when, when it all finished, they went down the river to Fremantle on a boat. Dad, myself and my brother, uh, my oldest brother, Alan, we had a special wreath laying ceremony as well so um, we had these huge uh, wreaths made of um, poppies and we had to climb a podium and uh, hang the the wreath over the side so Hmm. that was um, an event to remember it was really nice of Diane to actually come and talk with mum and dad at different times to get not actually Faye's life story but different aspects of what was available on the island and and that sort of thing, you know, uh, just from their experiences of seeing what, what was there. Well, this is all so interesting to me. I've learned learned a few things about, yes, it, about her life that I didn't know before. Yeah. You know, I know there's a lot in Lighthouse Girl that's true and a lot that's, uh, you know, there's artistic license, which is what writers always do. Yes. But I yes. thought Diane did a great job of kind of blending those she, things and she did. There was, you know, 
she mixed it with a lot of um, things that we already know about the soldiers and, you know, going off to war and that sort of thing. But she intertwined it in such a way that you thought, well, here's this poor girl on an island, um, but then all these men come along and, and um, it sort of opened up, her, I think, opened up her eyes that there were other people out there. And mm-hmm. she was able to put her skills to work with, you know, the signalling and Morse code and uh, being able to chat with somebody else. The basic idea, what you just said about communicating with those men as they left for the war and everything, it's its its a great story and it's so emotional. And, uh, you know, it's supposed to yeah. be a children's book, but I don't mind saying that I cried when I wrote it and, or when I read it. <laughs> Diane said that a lot of adults tell her the same thing. That's right, that's right. <laughs> Don Watson and your wife, uh, Peg, and your daughter, uh, Denise Rafferty, I want to thank you all so much for spending some time with me. It's really an honor and a pleasure to speak with you. Everything about your mother's story, Don, is just just fascinating, and I feel very lucky to get a chance to talk with you, too. So thank you all so much. Thank you very much, anyway, for taking the effort to, uh, to get contact with us. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you all. Take care. Will do. And you take care as well. And uh, thank you very much for the the meeting. It was lovely. Bye-bye. You can buy Lighthouse Girl and its two sequels, Light Horse Boy and In the Lamplight, from Amazon and other online booksellers. And check out dianewolfer.com, that's Diane with two N's, to learn more about Diane and her other books. You know, one of the great things about doing this podcast is that it gives me a chance to talk with interesting people all over the world. I feel very lucky to have had the opportunity to speak with Diane Wolfer and with Don Watson and his family. It really was a rare pleasure. Check out the U.S. Lighthouse Society's website at uslhs.org to learn more about all the things the Society has to offer. Donations and memberships help to support this podcast and the U.S. Lighthouse Society's objective to preserve lighthouses in their history and to educate the public on that subject. Thank you to everyone everywhere who works to save lighthouses or any kind of history. We're all on the same team. Keep up the good work. Until next time, thanks for listening and... Keep a good light. Oh.